The life we live is the life we chose and every single decision. Choosing to be an artist is both risky and thrilling. And in my experience, learning the art of the hustle is essential for anyone who decides to take this path. I'm Martha, I'm a DJ and broadcaster, and last year I started Tempo, which is a run club for young creatives in South London. I've lived in South London my whole life, and as soon as I had a taste of the radio age 16, I knew I wanted to pursue a creative path, but I was never sure what this would look like or how I would get there. I've recently been inspired by the life of William Blake, one of the pioneers of slasher culture, which basically means that he had more than one job on the go. He was an artist slash printmaker slash poet. Like many young artists today, Blake was a grafter, working day jobs to fund his passion projects. I want to know what it takes to earn a living as a young creative in 21st century London, with all its joys and its heartache. I want to take you off the beaten track, keep up and stay focused as we take the road less travelled. This is the art of the hustle. Hi everyone, thanks for coming out. My name's Martha and we're going to go around and introduce ourselves, so just say your name when it's your turn. And then we're going to warm up together. The first step is getting started. We're heading to Peckham Levels. It's an art space where my run club tempo meets every week. We're going to be chatting with my friends and pro hustlers, Ibrahim Kamara and Jidea Datuji. For me, I've been living my dream from day one, you know, from when I was actually able to just be an entrepreneur full time and still be happy, still smile. That's my dream, already satisfied, you know. And then since then, it's just been a, about figuring out how to get paid. Jidea and Ibrahim are founders of Guap Magazine, a youth platform which champions emerging talent and grassroots creative culture across business, tech and the arts. Starting life as an interactive newsletter circulated among friends, Guap went on to become the world's first video magazine. They've produced content for big brands like Nike, the ICA and Apple. Okay, let's try this warm-up. Start level one. Let's start with a low kick. So Guap actually stands for Great Understanding of Power, but initially we just called it Guap because... In our community, I guess what means money, it's like slang for money and stuff. But we, we knew that we wanted to make loads of money, so that's why we called it Guap. But then we thought uh, we should make an acronym to kind of, you know, reflect what we want to do with the brand overall. We did start with that idea of thinking we're going to be millionaires and like going to make better money, which can still happen and which will still happen, but it's not the ultimate focus. Mm. We thought like we thought it was gonna be millionaires overnight. On our launch day, we had our launch day on May the first. We were wearing tuxedos. We were wearing stuff. tuxedos and stuff. <laughs> uh, launch party in Greenwich O2 in one bar. And literally on the night of it is that people didn't really get it. It was kinda of a underwhelming feeling. So it was like reality uh, check. Yeah reality check like real quick. Guap's early experience makes me think of William Blake. Back in 1809, he held his debut solo show in Soho. Like Jide and Ibrahim, he was ambitious and expected people with enough money and power to see his paintings and commission him to reproduce them on a larger scale. Unfortunately, the show was a flop. Only a few people showed up, and those that did go just didn't get the work. Luckily, he had enough self-belief to stick at it, and when he bounced back, he produced some of his most enduring work. 
if we're trying to build a platform, then we need to appeal to a specific audience. Mm. And when we first started, we didn't really have an audience that we were appealing to, just like, you know, the people that we were in uni with, our friends. So we started to kind of focus more on the creative community that was starting to kind of develop around the time we started. It's like loads of people are doing creative things, but no one knew what everyone else was doing and no one kind of felt this collective sense of pride and, you know, competition at the same time. So we figured that we would help develop that platform. And I guess over time we've kind of become, you know, like one of the guardians of the creative community in London, I guess. So the first thing to remember when you're hustling, dream big, sure, but keep your feet on the ground. Another part of getting started is developing your unique brand. We used to fear competition a lot when we first started. You know, we were really scared, almost shy about putting out our USP. But I guess over time we realised we're going to make our business so unique and our space and our community so unique that no one can replicate what we're doing. We're building our own industry. So whether someone comes and makes their own magazine, it's not going to be guap. How have you navigated working with those bigger companies and those big brands and just making sure that you stick to your values? It's all relationships, isn't it? So it's just like, I don't really see them as brands. It's like the person that we're working with inside the brand. We always go into each situation knowing what we want from the situation and knowing what we're going to have to give or willing to give and kind of know where your leverage lies. No one's going to turn away or say, no, I don't want to work with you just because you give them a high price. Yeah, yeah right. I think that's like a big yeah, illusion yeah, that young people illusion. are worried about. Oh, if I say too much, then they're just nah. going to find someone else. Nah. But actually, you're not that dispensable. Like, they've chosen yeah. you to work with. Definitely. You know your value, man. Social media means that today we have to be entrepreneurs and business savvy. With one tap, we're on display to a global audience. In the past, the artistic life seemed simpler and more romantic, but tech has also liberated us. We're trying to build a culture of people who DIY, like self-starters, that are really passionate about it. So with the information we have on the internet and on YouTube, etc., etc., if you're really passionate about something, you're going to try to learn everything you can about it, and then we can help. When you go through education, you're constantly thinking, I have to be a certain type of thing. I'm also kind of figuring out exactly what I do. I do a lot of curatorial work, film, creative production, anything I can really get my hands into. Being able to pick up new skills and diversify means we can explore creative freedom in a way that just wasn't possible in the past. And this has been the case for my friend Georgina Johnson who puts all her talents to use. She has a hyphen career, and she's a change maker too. Last year, Georgina launched her manifesto, Slow Fashion to Save Minds, after witnessing burnout in the creative industries. She's passionate about mental health and making sure we're doing a healthy hustle. So I studied fashion and spent some years out interning for quite big couture brands and stylists and stuff. I would say the culture was, you know, standardly competitive and individualistic and you're constantly thinking you have to be there and work seven days a week and till nine, ten, whatever o'clock. And when I talk to people that have interned, they feel they feel as though they, they have to say that it was a brilliant experience when a lot of the time people don't have amazing experiences because 
they're not appreciated they're probably not paid they're working like every hour that god sends and that's why i feel like it's up to people to kind of say and stand against and disrupt that system a manifesto a majority of the time we can do better when we know better and here's how rebel against the pace and the bars currently set and respect each and every person's creative and mental capacity because that's how we safeguard our ecosystem both socially and environmentally unlearn a few things and approach them with fresh eyes Let's increase our consciousness when creating things we and others will love. Respect production and labour and wait a little while. Why all the rush? Let's lean on each other a little more and ensure those at the back are pushed all the way to the front. Stop all the stank attitudes and demigod complexes. Treat people like human beings and let's ensure diversity isn't hot on our lips for one season. Nothing deserves to have a linear life. Think big, think cyclical, give yourself more time to think, be transparent, be conscious, be ethical and be fair. Share your ideas, be countercultural. Let's restore what we've already broken and build an environment where we aren't afraid to fail, but are ever so thankful for the lesson. We deserve spaces that recognise creativity as the strongest asset and people as the biggest and most precious resource. Community is key. So fall into one. So we're off to a great start. Launch, brand, self-care. But what about getting stuck into the essentials of day-to-day creative life and making it happen? I'm heading to North London to meet 23-year-old fine art graduate Ellie Pennick. I read. Maybe that's my downtime. I think having a sig and reading in the morning might be my only relaxing thing I do. I'm a gallerist, an artist, and an activist. I'm going to go for it, the forward slash. Yeah, that's what I am. Should we stick with that? What was it? (laughs) Yeah, definitely a hustler. Northern Dell boy. So the art I make is very um, political and sexualised and doesn't always get uh, a great reaction because of how out there it is. Ellie's work is brash, bold and brave. One of her pieces is a satirical sculpture called R. Teresa, depicting the former British Prime Minister. Like Blake, she doesn't shy away from controversy, but these controversial subjects aren't always the easiest to sell. Somebody was interested, but who would want a life-size model of Theresa May in your front living room? Blake's images often reference the hot topics of the late 18th and early 19th century, from revolution to the slave trade. But they weren't widely circulated. If they had been, he might have been arrested. Like many young creatives, the year after graduating was one of the toughest for Ellie. Well, I graduated from uni and I got into the RCA I was proper excited. I was like, yeah, MA, this is going to be great. And then um, I didn't get the funding that I applied for. And I was gutted because like when I went for my interview, they insinuated that I would get it and I'd be like, right, this is sorted. This is fab. I was really excited. and It was quite a big deal for me. So I didn't get it. And at this point, I was like sofa hopping. I was on an Ikea sofa and I fit perfectly on those, you know, like I've really got an act to it. <laughs> and I was just like, 
nah, I cannot do this anymore. But I thought instead of being negative about the situation, let's be positive and try and create, you know, a business venture that could help other people. I remember I, I applied for a job at a pub and I got in um, to work at the bar and he saw my CV and was like, do you want a space upstairs? Um, and I was like, yeah. And I turned that into like a first almost gallery space. And that's where it all kicked off, really. It was a function room, but you can change anything into a gallery space, I think. I guess that's the hustle. In 2018, Ellie founded Guts Gallery, which aims to showcase artists underrepresented in the contemporary art scene. From Yorkshire herself, Ellie wants to reach people outside of the London bubble and bridge the north-south divide that still exists in the arts. A lot of people have got on board nearly 40 now which is great they're all fab and they're all from different backgrounds and it just works it's perfect ellie uses her hustling skills on a daily basis to connect emerging artists on her roster with established names like oh hey oh if you do this or exhibit with this emerging artist you could change their career and if they say no then they don't look great and if they say yeah then they're actually helping out and being you know supportive and that needs to change. There needs to be a system of support. And that's why I run cuts like that. It's a different business structure. It, it's a massive social interaction, like private views and going for drinks and stuff. But a lot of it now, um, it's changed. So it's over social media, even LinkedIn. LinkedIn's all right. Like <laughs> I've been talking to collectors and stuff and it's great. Cause I'm just like, look, I'll take a real low cut. You could help. You know, an artist makes money, like investing goes instead of investing in a gallery that takes 50% and just like contacting them straight away, no messing, gets to the point. I learn from the people that I work with. So for example, if a graphic designer works with me, like they teach me so much, it, it's so fab. So everybody who's involved in Guts, they're just on the same level as me and we just, you know, transfer skills. And it's a really, really nice creative environment to be in. Because of the percentage I take, it, it's still tough, do you know what I mean? But I've compromised that, so it's more of an equal structure, the gallery structure, and I won't change that. I could rather be a little bit more skint, but no, I'm doing something good. Working week is working at the Bomb Factory Art Foundation, two days a week. The Bomb Factory pays for my rent, and then um, the rest of the week I'm just working on guts. Seven days a week I work, no messing. You get quite addicted to it. I am constantly exhausted, but I don't mind it. Like, that's what I've chosen to do. And I, I don't do half a job, I do the full job. But by the sound of my voice, maybe I do need to. <laughs> it's crackling now. And the last one is fast Artists like Blake often benefited from financial support from family and friends. Sinead McGeekin is a producer with Tate Collective, a group of 15 to 25-year-olds whose mission it is to help new, young audiences engage with Tate's collection, galleries and exhibitions. Like Blake, she has a passion for illustrating and printmaking. I graduated in 2017 in illustration and visual media, I was never really sure like what to do because in uni they didn't really discuss about jobs, they didn't really discuss about how to sell yourself in the real world. I met this uh, wonderful woman that I still stay in contact with and she actually mentored me with Arts Emergency. 
when I was sort of telling her, like, I don't really have nobody in my family to guide me. I don't know what to do. And I was very, like, panicking. Because at that time, I was doing care work. I was doing cleaning. I was doing bar work. I was working, like, all the time. I would be up at 5 a.m., go to work at 7 a.m., finish at 10 a.m., then go to, like, another job. I, I got myself ill. I did that job to get regular income and to support myself as an artist and supporting my mum, my brother and sister that has disabilities and I had this responsibility. Asking for help, you do get help. Like, if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's something I've really learned. Without money, access and the advantages of privilege, the art of the hustle becomes even more relevant. Sinead found Arts Emergency, a mentoring charity which helps marginalised young people access higher education and find success in the arts. To me, the art of making a living in the creative industries is reliant on us helping each other. But beyond opening a door, it's also about feeling welcome once you're in a position to create and feeling like your voice is heard and valued. I, I'm really lucky. I have Arts Emergency to support me, I have Take Collective Producers, and it's really n nice to hear like how I'm not the only one that's sh been struggling, finding jobs and like hustling my way in. We run through Peckham Rye uh, Park with tempo uh, quite often. I remember watching this documentary about romanticism and uh, William Blake was mentioned uh, in the documentary. Uh, he, he came to Peckham Rye where he would come quite frequently and he uh, had an epiphany about an angel and then he wrote one of his most famous poems. For me, I really got into like poetry through just writing it. Kate Tempest and William Blake were probably two of the big, my biggest kind of like early catalysts. And it was it was it was definitely just the kind of sheer beauty of his words that kind of struck me at first. Suddenly he came up and it just literally like exploded in my mind. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer? What the chain? In what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread grasp, dare its deadly terrors clasp? And when the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who make the land make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? Like the tiger, starting out as a creative can be compelling but also terrifying. Trying to weigh up whether or not you should do something for free can be one of the trickiest areas to navigate. When is it acceptable and when is it just pure exploitation? I, I don't agree with it at all. But I think at some point 
you've just got to get yourself out then so that, that involves doing something for free like at your very early stages it's totally acceptable to do that and i and i've done that but i've seen instances where fairly you know reputable kind of organizations at night they said we're not able to offer a budget but you know there's absolutely room in your budget to be paying your artist and it should be because it is it's about how you value yourself as an artist and how your wider society values you poet in the city is an organization based in london what poet in the city has done for me is is have given us the kind of power they were like okay here's the framework what do you want to do with it that's when magic really happens being an artist may mean making sacrifices for sure but hustling well means not getting ripped off there are many people out there that will empower us and that's something that i hope my run club tempo can achieve too the idea of the collective runs deep in art history blake himself realized that he couldn't go it alone and at the end of his life reached out to younger artists for support. So if you want to be in this game for the long run, don't isolate yourself, find your team. So my name's Kira Laurel and I'm a musician, a singer. I've been running with Tempo more or less since it started, two weeks in from when it started. You don't think of it as networking, you think of it as just running with just like-minded creatives because you're running together and you're sharing something that you both enjoy. So, so, so um, refreshing, I guess, to uh, meet people in this way. From the founders of Guap, how to sustain your relationships and your hustle. Tip number one. So one thing we said when we first started is we want to network horizontally. So we want to network with, with people who are on our level and instead of trying to just go for the people who we think are established in the industry already, which is what a lot of people try and do. They'll come in and they'll be like, ah, oh, you're popping, let me hang around you. It will never work for you that way because you know, the way they probably develop their network is the organic way and that's how their phone keeps on ringing and your phone will only ring when it's coming from them. You don't have that kind of stake within the industry. Tip two. I always tell people availability is like one of your biggest commodities as a human, you know, without money. Because if you can be available for opportunity, then I guess you, you'll be ready when the biggest opportunity of your life comes along. That big one will come and we were available for it. If we weren't available for it, who knows? We might still be doing little jobs. And tip three. I would definitely recommend like having a partner in crime or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, cute. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> right, you can push yourself to the end. Push yourself to the end. When we start off, we might have big ideas of success. But as we keep going, what does success as a creative really mean? This book that I did, it's called Folklore Whispers. I'm really interested in like folktales, especially Irish folktales. It's a line of print and it's basically these two ballerinas with bear skull heads in the woods and there's like a moon and so I would just carve that out and print it as a relief print. It's a lot of experiment in my work and that's what I love to do. I love to play, I love to see what the results I can get, even if it's something that I didn't really imagine. Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey from how I started to like where I am now. <laughs> All this is like my passion. Every, every bit of artwork I do, it's, it's what I love. I think for me, this is maybe the biggest marker of success, staying in love with your art and keeping your passion alive. What does success look like to Ellie? 
That is such an interesting question. Like saying, like, what is success? Because people are like, or if you make a million, that's success. But I think it's getting to the point where, you know, you're like 60 or 70, and you look back and you think, oh, I'm quite proud how I've affected other people and I've helped other people. That's what I think success is. My last stop on this run is to meet my own mentor, Gavin Douglas. I met Gav at Represent Radio when I was just starting out and his support and advice really helped me to find my voice. So this conversation is really special for me. I could just see talent. Mm. Like I always still remember um, meeting everyone for the first time and kind of like, you know, how they were and, and what they were thinking about and what it is that they said that they want to do. And now seeing that, you know, years later, they're in the positions that they've worked hard to be in. It's one of the best feelings. Yeah. And the kind of byproduct of that is like you investing your time and experience into us that like gives us confidence because we felt like, oh, we do have something. And it's really important to have that from someone that's not necessarily in your family that you grew up right. with. Because you may have your parents like rooting for you and that's amazing. But when it's someone external, mm-hmm. it's just an added layer of something special, which is I really agree. great. Some of the differences as well from when I was growing up and um, coming into the game is that there wasn't as much synergy and there wasn't as much kind of everybody helping each other. And I, I've just kind of like watched everything kind of open up and I just think, yeah, the, the, the way that it is now is definitely a lot more accessible. And I think the most beautiful thing that I've seen as a change, regardless of technology and like the internet and all that kind of stuff is the unity between people that's positive it is um let's talk about your hustle how have you dealt with the kind of highs and lows of your career and still had the energy to like look out for others do you know what this is the truth and um i've never spoken about this publicly but at the time when i started uh, uh represent i was probably going through the hardest stage of my entire life it was it was almost an escapism to my problems. It gave me something more to focus on. It's that that's helped me kind of maintain a really strong kind of hustle because I think that when you have highs and lows, the the main thing is, is that you've got to work out how to get up. And then you've got to work out how's the best way to stay up. This this game that everyone I get everyone that I've known are getting themselves into really is about survival of the fittest because there's no there's no rule book to this, you know. You've got to have a lot of perseverance, a lot of patience, that unstoppable mentality. What about, have you got any tips for being a good mentee? Like, what do you look for in someone who is, like, young and talented? When you meet somebody that that wants to do something, especially if you've done it before, it becomes really apparent to you how much they want to do it. I almost call it, like, athlete's focus, where... You see, if you're um, if you're running 100 meters or whatever, you know, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll train, you'll eat right, you'll try and rest with the right amount of rest, and you'll do all these things to make your performance when you get on the track as good as it possibly can be. It's, it's like these almost like irreplaceable attributes that you just see within a person that if they keep going, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get it. Mm. I think I realized that the other day when when I turned 26 a few weeks ago. Um, and I was like, Mom, I'm tired. Like I've been doing this for 10 years. Like, I am tired. Why did he let me start working so early? And she was like, 
no one could have stopped you. I, I just sort of deeped it then. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like I was just absolutely on one. You were. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's um, it's paid testament to where you are now. You know, but for yourself, like, how was how was the the whole kind of mentoring process? I mean, in the sense of having somebody that that you don't know so well. I don't know. I think just having like. Because you've been in my life for a really long time. So mm-hmm. just having that consistent person at every question, at every turning point, I knew that you were there. But also what we were talking about, like building sort of like a family or a community, like that's something that I actively seek out in, in everything that I do. Yeah, because now you've got your own community that you're nurturing, that you're bringing through. Well, I know that you know this, but I'm incredibly grateful. Thank so you. Thank you. Continue doing what it is that you're doing because you're making everybody super proud. <laughs> And yeah, man, um, it's been a beautiful journey so far. We haven't finished yet. Get some space, we're going to warm down together. We're not the first generation to hustle, and we probably won't be the last. All right, when you're ready, big step forward with your right foot. The legacy of those before us, like Blake and like Gav, is that through their art, they spark a passion for us to go out and make our own. Hopefully through the characters you've met today and hearing more about Blake's story, you're inspired to keep pushing and stay on your hustle. To find out more about William Blake, one of the pioneers of slasher culture, visit the William Blake exhibition. Take your right ankle and your right hand. On at Tate Britain from the 11th of September 2019 to the 2nd of February 2020. The exhibition is curated by Martin Myrone and Amy Concannon. It is supported by Tate patrons and Tate members. The media partner is The Telegraph. If you're aged 16 to 25, you can sign up for a free Tate Collective account and visit the exhibition for £5. Find out more at tate.org.uk. Buy the William Blake exhibition book and receive a free Blake print on us. Quote the promo code BLAKE at the checkout. Offer available online and in the William Blake Exhibition Shop at Tate Britain. This offer is subject to availability from the 9th of September 2019 to the 2nd of February 2020. The Art of the Hustle is a falling tree production for Tate, produced by Hannah Dean and Alia Kassam. Executive produced by Sam Maguire and presented by me, Martha with music from Guacacpo, Backlit, Holloway and Symmetry. Well done, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. One year in. Happy birthday.